Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I thought we'd talk this week about the psychology around our weight loss, I guess. And we've talked quite a bit over the last few episodes about the physiology. So the physiology being the hormones. And I thought we'd dive into the psychology behind it. What do you think? I think that is so important. Mindset is key. I used to think, like before I really learnt about nutrition, I used to think that weight loss was 80% exercise and 20% diet. Then I learnt more and I realised that that's not true. It's, I decided it was 80% diet and 20% exercise. But I think the more that I work with people, the more that I see clients and patients and help them lose weight with a low-carbohydrate lifestyle, I'm learning that it's about 80% mindset, 18% diet, and maybe sprinkle a bit of exercise on top if you want to. Yes, I would totally agree because a lot of people do know what to do, but it's the implementation that they have trouble with. So I've been musing over this because I think what a lot of people think mindset is, is willpower. And it's not, it's not just willpower, like whatever willpower is, willpower, I guess is, I don't know, self-discipline or something, but mindset is way more than willpower. It's really, it's actually the key to understanding often why we eat the things we eat even though we know that they're not what we're supposed to or that they're not on our plan and yet we still do it. So understanding that is really the key to, I guess, unlocking. So we've unlocked the woodshed and now we're going to unlock your mind to the different possibilities and the ways we think about food and our relationship to food. And I know for you, Mez, your relationship to food has definitely changed, as has mine. Absolutely. Hello, I am Dr. Mary Barson, and I am a sugaraholic. I used to have a serious problem with sugar addiction, and I don't anymore. I've really managed to just change my whole physiology and psychology around sugar. Yeah, and I think that that's... You know, it is possible people don't realise, but it is you can have freedom around food and freedom about food, but it takes work. It's not something that happens overnight, a bit of pantene in there. It will happen, but it uh, won't happen overnight or whatever that saying was. I think the first thing to talk about that people, and again, we're not taught this in school. We're not taught, I don't know why, we're not taught about how we think. So humans have this wonderful ability to think about their thoughts. It's a process called metacognition. So metacognition is where you can almost step back and just watch or listen about your thoughts and you don't actually have to engage. And it's really interesting because the more you stop and do this, the more you realize that it's like just background noise that says often the same things over and over. This is what we refer to as our self-talk. People will come initially and they'll say to me, oh no, I don't do that. I don't talk to myself. And I'm thinking, yes, you do. Everybody does. <laughs> but they're just not listening. So they're talking to themselves. They're not listening. They can't hear it. 
And so really learning to unlock that and just develop some awareness of your thoughts is critical. And it's the first step really, isn't it? I absolutely agree. How about we talk about a specific example? What do you find is a common mind block or mindset problem for people and how might you suggest they tackle it? Well, again, we can go through a whole, there's a whole lot of stuff like it can be, and for some people it can be a bit confronting because some of it is extremely personal. But let's go with something that's just a bit common, a common and sort of non-threatening one, and that would be that you've got to eat everything on your plate. Okay, in your head, your brain goes, I've got to eat everything on my plate, can't waste food, have to eat everything on my plate, children starving in Africa. That has been playing on repeat every night in our lives forever, which is why people will not waste food. It is like a sin, akin to murder, to waste food. So you will find mothers eating the scraps, like the crusts uh, that have been on the plate of their kids rather than throwing it in the bin. You will find people will eat their food even though they're incredibly full because you can't waste good food. And it makes sense on one level. But on another level, it's crazy. There are children starving in another country, so therefore you must eat everything until you're completely over full. Like it's sort of weird. But basically what we do is we've turned this around to say, you know what, I understand you don't want to waste food but your body is not a bin. Okay, you just because you don't want to waste it doesn't mean that you put it inside you. You are not a bin. And we've got a funny little meme. I might put it up on our on our um, socials. It's a picture of a solo bin. Basically says your body's not a bin. And I often think, you know, if a solo bin is square, so it's often got, you know, it's got no waste. Okay, so that's a bit like humans when you've got storage, you lose your waste. So it's a bit like if you want to be a solo bin, nobody wants to be a solo bin. You're allowed to throw food away that you don't need to eat. If it becomes really hard, you can just, you know, stick it in the compost, turn it into organic soil, feed it to the chickens if you've got any, or put it back in the fridge. But you don't need to eat it just so you don't waste it. So that's one of them. And that's a simple one. But I think sometimes there are things that just go on in people's heads and one of them can be another one that's common and we call it FOMO. It's fear of missing out. So another example of thoughts and thinking about our thoughts is when you might see a food or a food product and you want it. So your brain goes, I really want that. And you know, there can be another little thought in there that says, oh no, you can't have that. You're on a diet. Or, oh no, you can't have that. You're being good. So then there becomes this little battle of what is happening. And so it's really important to listen to exactly what the words are that your brain might be saying, because this is a conversation and it's a conversation that will have thoughts that are often well-used thoughts. So the thing that happens with a thought, and this is what we often say to people, a thought is just a connection between two neurons. So two nerve cells in your brain, when they connect together, like a piece of string, that's a thought. 
And when you think that thought a lot of times, then that thought becomes stronger and stronger. So over time, it can become a really ingrained, deep thought. Now, here's what's really weird, is that the thought may not be true. We think it's true, but it may not be. Okay, We have the ability to have these really deep-seated beliefs that we would swear black and blue are true, but they might not be. It's really important to notice these. Again, that's the first step. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is really dive into this because it's quite, it can be quite hard to kind of wrap your head around it. But I think the idea of, first of all, being aware, listening to what your thing's saying. A lot of people have this. It's like this little voice in the back of their head. Sometimes I call it, you know, that's that devil on one side. But it can also be a voice that might say things to you like, oh, for God's sake, you're useless. Okay. Oh, for God's sake, you're so hopeless. And that sort of talk or self-talk, negative self-talk, we call it, is can be really damaging to us. It's not helpful, but yet it is a thought that has just been said to ourselves over and over and over. So then we believe it to be true. We believe that we are useless or we believe that we are hopeless or we believe that things like I can't lose weight, I can never lose weight, I've never lost weight, I can't do it, I'll fail, I always fail, I never stick to anything. I have lots of people and that's that'll be the thing they come in. They come in, they go, well, I don't know if you're going to be able to help me because I've never stuck to anything. And so we talk about that and, you know, they leave thinking, they, they come in thinking they're going to get a two-week meal plan and they leave with this whole entire new way to think about their thoughts. It's super. I mean, it's enlightening. It's fabulous for me to see their, the penny drop, but it's great for them as well. So the thing that we, and you will hear us talk about this over the next few weeks, or in fact, over the next few years, because we talk about it all the time, that interestingly, a thought Thoughts create our feelings. So when we're feeling angry, the anger is all about what the thought is in our brain. So you can have what we call a neutral event. And by the term neutral, people often think neutral means, what do you mean neutral? It's a factual event. It's an event where nobody can actually dispute the facts. Okay, so the fact might be it's raining. It's a neutral event. It's raining. Your thoughts about that rain might be, I'm so sick of the rain. I hate the rain. I hate getting wet. Makes my hair frizzy. It's terrible. And when your thoughts come like that, you feel cross, dejected, a bit annoyed, pissed off. And so you walk around literally like a cloud over your head. And that makes you irritable. And then you might be tempted to fix that irritability by one of your old tools, which will be food, which will come to later. So then you eat something to fix this irritable feeling that you've got. The other way to think would be neutral event, it's raining. Your thought could be, well, of course it's raining. It rains, rain happens. If we didn't have rain, gardens wouldn't grow. Maybe there's been a lot of rain in a row, but again, I can't change that event. It's out of my control. I just have to make sure I've got an umbrella in the car. 
Yeah, that could be your thoughts, in which case you don't feel anything about the rain. You're not angry. You're not cross. You're just thinking, oh, well, it's a neutral It's a neutral event. It's out of my control. I don't need to change it. I don't even need to react to it. I just need to make sure I've got an umbrella. When your brain starts thinking that sort of thought, there's no need to feel angry or upset or uncomfortable and therefore no need to even think about food as an option. Does that kind of make sense? Mears, does that make sense to you? Oh, so much it does. I think the idea that our thoughts aren't necessarily real and that our brains can, in a sense, lie to us is a really important concept to understand. Mm. I want to give you an example. Again, this is a non-food example, but this is an example of our thoughts and our beliefs. So when kids are little, they believe in Santa. Okay, most children who are, you know, five or six will believe in Father Christmas because, again, we've set them up for that. It's all in the department stores. There's all these things confirming their belief that Santa is real. And as adults, we feed into that. We're very happy for this little, I guess, belief to it's part of the magic of Christmas, right? But then what happens if the, once the child reaches a certain age, we then decide as a society that this belief is no longer appropriate. So we dismantle the belief. So if you speak to a seven-year-old, they will swear black and blue that Santa is real. If you speak to a 17-year-old, they will swear black and blue that he's not. Fair enough. This is the same process, though, that happens for a lot of us in other areas of our life. Thoughts that have been perhaps inserted, reinforced in some sort of way, so we believe them to be absolutely real, but then nobody dismantles that for us. So we go on believing the same thing we believed as when we were seven. Now, again, it might be a thought about us, about our worth, about our anything, our confidence, our even who we are. You know, it can be something like uh, you never finish anything. Okay, that's it's actually a common thread in our house at the moment, but that can be a, a thought that somebody has. So then they start to believe, yeah, I never finish anything. So guess what? That belief then goes with them through life and they never actually finish anything. So really important when we're thinking about thoughts, question, okay? It doesn't have to be a, a fight with yourself. Just be curious, question Sometimes the things that you absolutely believe to be true, question whether they really are. Because honestly, a lot of them are going to be just like Santa, put in from childhood, but never dismantled. So my lovelies, this week, I'd like you to take this step. I'd like you to think about your thoughts and actually notice them. Again, no judgment, no fighting with yourself, just curiosity and compassion and just notice what you say good darlings well i'm a bit kapooped after that time to say goodbye mary's laughing her head off by the way <laughs> has anybody heard mary's laugh because it is a magnificent <laughs> if you actually want to hear a beautiful rich makes me feel happy every time i hear her laugh she's trying to stifle it but i don't know why just be raucous mares it's wonderful. Laughter is medicine and I love it. <laughs> all right, lovelies. We will see you all next time. Bye-bye. So. 
So my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.